This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, in our teaching time today, uh, we're going to go over and continue with the story of Joseph. And the reason we're spending so much time on this is this section of Scripture that tells Joseph's story describes so vividly the issues that surround many of us. And the first thing I want to talk about is, and go back a little bit to last week's time when we talked about Potiphar's wife. And of course, there is a great story that goes with that. Now, what the issue was, in our current parlance, we would call it sexual harassment, would we not? Sexual harassment by this woman took place in a power relationship that disadvantaged Joseph. The facets of this episode touch closely on the issues of sexual harassment in the workplace today. People have different standards of what counts for inappropriate speech and physical contact, but the whims of those in power are what often count in practice. Workers are often expected to report incidences of potential harassment to their superiors, but often are reluctant to do so because they know the risk of retaliation. To compound this, even when harassment can be documented, workers may suffer for having come forward. Joseph's godliness did not rescue him from false accusation and imprisonment. If we find ourselves in a parallel situation, our godliness is no guarantee that we will escape unscathed. But Joseph did leave an instructive testimony to Potiphar's wife and possibly others in the household. Knowing that we belong to the Lord and that he defends the weak will certainly help us to face difficult situations, will it not? Without giving up, and that's another key, we don't give up. This story is a very realistic, and in some cases with the language used, graphic illustration of what happens with standing up to sexual harassment in the workplace and that it may have devastating consequences. So what was the consequence for Joseph? He got put in prison. Now, Joseph is in prison after this incident. Now, he knows that he didn't do anything and that he was falsely accused. Now, here he is in the prison. Now, in those days, prisons were only one or two steps in quality above a septic tank or a cesspool. They were gross and grim and unpleasant, and they also smelled awful. And so, if you were contained in a prison back then, or even up until about 150 years ago, you would be absolutely certain that you had hit rock bottom. And you couldn't go any lower than that. And you thought, what's going on here? And Joseph could have done that. He could have said, 
God, what am I doing here? I mean, you gave me those two dreams and they promised me that I was going to rise to some kind of position of importance. And everything that's happened to me in these last 16 years or 10 years or so or whatever has been awful. I have suffered mightily. I was sold into slavery. I was a slave. And then now here I am in this dungeon. What's going on, God? Or on the other hand, Joseph could have done this. God, I had those dreams. And so I know that at some point everything's going to work out. I know that one of these days I'll be out of this prison. And one of these days I will be elevated to some position. And, you know, God, I'm going to trust you because I believe that because you're with me, what happened moved me one step closer to my destiny. Did Joseph do the first or did he do the second? The second. And that's our instruction for us. That is our example. He is our role model, almost to the point of being unrealistic and unbelievable. But see, when we're in any situation where we believe we are suffering and we are in any situation where we don't think it could get any worse than it is, if we are in a situation that is testing our very metal as a human being and as a follower of Christ, when we are in any one of those situations, we need to remember what Joseph did and say, God, I know you're in this. I know you are with me. And one day it's all going to work out. It's important to keep that outlook, an attitude of faith. Now, Joseph continues to prosper, if you will. And we know that Joseph took that second path because eventually he became in charge of the prison. Nothing went on there that did not meet his approval or go with his permission or whatever. As a matter of fact, he found favor in the eyes of the warden of the prison and he kept his head about him. Now, along the way, there are two officers of Pharaoh's court that are put in the prison and they both have dreams the same night. And Joseph says, do not interpretations belong to God Tell them to me, please. And so they shared their dreams. One was the butler, and he told his dream that he was in a, on a vine, and the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph says, now, what this means is those three branches are three days. And in three days, you are going to be restored to your position. Now, the baker heard Joseph's interpretation and said, well, that sounds good. So he goes and says, well, here's my dream, too. Then he talks about, I was in a dream and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. And the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. And Joseph says, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift your head from you and hang you on a tree. 
And the baker says, well, that's a bummer. And it was because the butler was restored and the baker was hanged. And so Joseph, in the process, asked the butler to say, when you get back to your office, don't forget about me. So what happens? The butler goes back and he forgets about Joseph. Now, Joseph had for a few days there says, yeah, 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 this is great. I'm, I'm out of here. But no, he was in prison for two more years. And do you think at that point it might have been tempting for him to be discouraged and think, what's going on? God, I mean, you know, I was positive before and here I am. I'm still in this position. I'm still here. I'm still wrestling with this situation that I'm in. But finally, the Pharaoh has a couple of dreams too. And he tells them and he got, gets all the wise men from Egypt to come in and he tells them the dream and they can't figure it out. But then suddenly the butler remembers, oh yeah, I know a guy. He was a Hebrew and he was in the prison with me and he interpreted the dream. The Pharaoh said, well, go get him. So they clean Joseph up and he has to shave off his beard because beards were an affront and an insult to the Egyptians at the time. So he goes in and he interprets the Pharaoh's dreams. And what it is, is that there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And what we need to do is prepare for that. And we need to set aside grain all the years of abundance and then we will be ready for the seven years of famine. Now, Pharaoh hears that and he says, hmm, what do we do about this? Well, I don't know anybody who's any wiser than you, Joseph. So I'm going to put you over the entire kingdom of Egypt and nobody is going to outrank you except for me. And so we can look at Pharaoh and think, well, yeah, I mean, he was the Pharaoh. He was in charge. He was the top guy. But he takes this Hebrew guy and he puts him over all his country. Pharaoh, in this instance, is an example of leading with humility because the Pharaoh ruled Egypt at the time of Joseph, and this is from John Maxwell's Leadership Bible, showed remarkable wisdom and insight as well as a heart receptive to truth. God strategically positioned this humble man as king over Egypt at a crucial time in world history. When nightmares awakened Pharaoh, he recognized something odd was happening. As a strong leader, he acknowledged his sense of unease. But as a humble leader, he enlisted the advice of others. He summoned Joseph, who successfully interpreted his dreams. Do you think Pharaoh knew his kingdom hung in the balance as he carefully processed the message God had given him? Probably not at that point. But it took great wisdom and humility to designate Joseph as the point person and to give him the authority and resources necessary to survive the coming calamity. But he did it. And the people followed his leadership, carefully storing up grain for the seven prophesied years. And when the predicted hard times arrived, Pharaoh once more deferred to Joseph. The king of Egypt put himself and his people 
into the capable hands of this foreigner. Now, had Pharaoh been arrogant or intimidated by Joseph, millions of people would have starved. Instead, Pharaoh listened carefully and empowered Joseph to act, and in so doing, ensured his own legacy as an effective leader. Now, here is the point of Joseph's story. For Well, there's many points to it, but here, let's look at some of these. First of all, what we see here is an example of how God allows things to happen within the confines of his sovereignty over them. Did he allow Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery? Yes. Did he allow Joseph to go to prison? Yes. Now, here's the deal. At the right time, and this is how we all need to trust in God's timing, and it's vitally important, because Joseph needed to be moved from Canaan to Egypt. And then he needed to be in that prison when those two officials of Pharaoh were there so he could interpret their dreams. And then he needed Joseph to still be in the prison when the guy finally remembers him, when Pharaoh has these two awful dreams and needs the interpretation. So Joseph was led along step by step, and it was God permitting us to act with our own individual will within the confines of his sovereignty. But at the same time, God made sure that Joseph was in the right place at the right time so he could use him for his greater purpose. And that's what we all need to remember. If things look awful, if our situation is making us so depressed and so worn down that we don't think we can last, let's remember that God is in that situation. And at the right time, in His timing, He will raise us up. And again, folks, this story is in the Bible for us to learn from, to see each thing that happens as not a tragedy necessarily, although there can be tragedies, but to look towards God and say, God, this stinks. But God, I'm going to trust you in the middle of this difficult situation. I don't like what's happened to me at all. But God, I will trust you. And one day I know you will see me through, just as you did with Joseph. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.